Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham Scott, alongside, as always, hello, Scott. Sean, hi. How's it, how's it going, buddy? I'm a little bit low energy. I feel like I uh, gained uh, 10 pounds yeah. there over Christmas. Uh, mom and dad were over, and you got to drink some beer for uh, <laughs> while mom and dad are there. Uh, not for any reason in particular, just uh, <laughs> it's what, what we tend to do, so... Yeah, I feel fat. Yeah, and I was actually concerned that we were not going to have enough, so I continued to bring more uh, over. Yeah, there's so much Um, beer in my There's a lot of beer there, but it's better to have too much than too little, is what I figured. Uh, Speaking of beer, Scott, uh, we're going to do a year in review here, 2018, the year that was in the world of curling, and of course, everyone's top story from the 2018 year of curling was our bet with Rocks Across the Pond for the European Championships. It's and the talk of the airwaves, Sean. It really is. And and we were unsuccessful in that, losing by uh, a point. And that meant that we had to drink some bad beer. And uh, we overbought then as well. So we have two bad beers left that we're, we're, we're nervous about drinking. We don't really want to have them. But this is the opportunity to at least taste them. So we have two here. We have the Boxer Watermelon beer. This is actually listed as malt liquor. Yeah, great, right? Uh, oh, it'll, it'll get you drunk is what they say. Yeah, so it is a flavored strong beer at 8.5% alcohol by volume. And it's giant, too. This is a 710 milliliter can. Yeah, 24 ounces. So, so let's see. Oh, God. It's, there we go. Okay. There you go. Oh, boy. Just open that up. And oh, I can smell it from here. Oh, that smells like, that just smells terrible. Ooh, baby. Oh, look at that nice pink uh, watermelon color. Wow, Sean. pour it out. It like, <clears throat> looks like a... It's like juice. Yeah, it looks like a Shirley Temple, but... Uh, much worse. Much right. worse and a lot more alcohol. Cheers. Cheers, bud. There you go. Here we go. Uh, drinking on a podcast. It's always what everyone wants to hear. Okay, that's uh, a thing that just happened. Oof, that's like that's the worst Jolly Rancher that you've ever had. It's sweet, right? How is it so, so sweet? I don't understand. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, bo- oh, brother. Oh, that's god-awful. So, um, <laughs> we will try and choke these down. We have another one, because uh, <laughs> we bought six total. We drank two uh, each after the last podcast. We might get to that, uh, that other one in a bit. But let's go through uh, and talk about 2018 in the world of curling and if we're sort of stuttering or or taking a breath it's because we've just drank this uh, terrible terrible drink but we each came up with three things Scott that we think we'll remember from 2018 now uh, I'll just say every year I'm a historian by training and and every year with my friend Aaron Boyce we do our year in review 100 years later which we write for activehistory.ca because our feeling is that you don't really know what the most important thing of the year was right away. That you need some time to, to really know what ended up mattering. So that's why we do it 100 years later. But for the purposes of this, we're going to do things that we think we will remember from that's 2018. Right. Yeah, that's right, Sean. So I came up with three things. You came up with three things. There's a bit of overlap, but not mm-hmm. too much. 
Uh, where would you like to start? So let's start with my first one because it'll lead into your second one. Okay, let's I do think. That. Uh, and and for me, this is the year where the gap between the club curler and the elite curler is more apparent than ever. And there's really no middle class anymore. There's the elite teams, and then there's sort of the lower level teams. And I, I would even say like cash level, club level cash players. And and, yeah. and I don't mean this with any disrespect to the, the James Grattons of the world. He's probably like a, maybe a little better than a club player, uh, given his level of experience. But generally speaking, you don't have the people like, and, and what I said before we started recording, was Jean-Michel Menard, to me, represented the end of this. Somebody who isn't going to go out and play on the tour all that much, isn't going to go play in the slams too much, but will show up at a briar, having won Quebec, and be competitive mm-hmm. and have a legitimate chance at the playoffs. And, you know, Jean-Michel Menard, of course, is sort of, was, is, sort of a, sort of a, a reminiscent of a different era because he won doing that. He was able to, to yeah. win a briar doing that. But now you you can't. The teams at the top are too good. That divide is too much. Mm-hmm. And just that middle class isn't there. There's been a lot of talk about this on Twitter and back and forth between the players even. But as a fan, you know, you tune into a Grand Slam. You tune into now the World Cup or, or the Scotties Briar, whatever it is, you know who's going to be there. And then those teams that have Briar or Scotties who you haven't seen on TV all year, they don't really have a chance to win. No, Sean, you're right. And and it's too bad because oftentimes when we were growing up watching the Briar and Scotties, what was fun was seeing profession. You know, they're, oh, they're a teacher or a business owner, accountant, whatever. More often than not now, you're just going to see curler. Uh, That's the profession, and that's the way that the sport has gone given the amount of money that's involved. So Mm -hmm. on the one hand, it's good that players have the opportunity to get better and to get as good as they are. On the other hand, you know, some of the amateurness of the sport is gone. Yeah. And so you mentioned uh, Jean-Michel Menard. We talked a bit about Krista McCarvel's team being that uh, holdout on the women's side because... They don't play that much on the tour, if at all, a little bit. But they can go to the Scotties and compete for the playoffs, for sure. It takes them a while, though, right? We've talked about it a lot, that it takes them, whatever, the three, four games to get into it, get used to that ice again and the environment, and that always sets them behind. certainly hurt them at the trials. You definitely saw it at the Grand Slam up there in Thunder Bay. Yeah, short week. Yeah, they never really got into the, the zone there. And, yeah, I'm not lamenting it, uh, you know, because we saw, as we'll talk about, the world and Canada, there's not this great gap there anymore. Again, we talked about this after the Olympics, but I would argue that the gap was never as big as people thought it was. Mm -hmm. And certainly there were some articles over the past few weeks where I think it was Mark Kennedy was sort of lamenting a little bit all the Canadian coaches that have gone around the world, given that Canada now not struggles, but, you know, has to work maybe harder to guarantee a medal yeah. at World Championships Olympics. And maybe we need to reorient our resources back home. Uh, and this, of course, was in the context, too, of China, uh, of course, is pushing hard with the Olympics in Beijing. That's right. That they want to medal in, you know, basically everything, as host countries tend to want to do. So how then does Canada 
respond to that. And with the other countries not having to fund as many people, they can, and as we've seen, sort of single-team funding, full-time curlers that allow those countries to have these really great elite teams that can compete with so many teams in Canada. And it makes you wonder is how sustainable even the model that we currently have in Canada is, where there's, say, 10 teams, maybe, who are world champion caliber. Right. And I don't even know if it's that many. And is that model even sustainable? Yeah, it doesn't seem to me like it is, Sean. It's it's two streams, right? You have your streams of elite players, and then you have money that goes to the grassroots, where before the money was sort of, it was a pyramid, right? Where the money goes to the bottom, and as you move up, you get a little bit more, a little bit more, where now it just seems, you know, maybe like an hourglass where there's a lot at the top and a lot at the bottom and not a lot right. in the middle. Yeah. So I don't think that model is sustainable and, you know, we'll have to wait and see. But but some of the money that should be allocated maybe to keep those coaches in Canada uh, and give them to junior teams and have, have it be worth the time of the coach because, you know, if somebody gets offered a lot of money from China to go and coach their curling team they're going to take that instead of staying here and doing it for free yeah so as someone who's taken a lot of money to go to china for a short amount of period short amount of time yeah i can vouch for that yeah exactly so you know that's one of the things that has to be looked at and and we'll see i mean if we start getting embarrassed we being canada i'm not usually a we with our sports (laughs) teams but uh nationally i think so if we start not meddling at multiple events in a row then it's going to be time to, you know, give your head a shake and see if this is really the way we want to go. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, so we'll see what happens. But that's that's sort of one thing for me. The end of the middle class, I think, at the elite level. So uh, that sort of feeds in, I think, Scott, to one of yours. Yeah, so building on that a bit, this is the year that we saw the format changing at the Season of Champions. So building on that, uh, removing the middle class, we see the Briar and Scotties now divided into those two pools at the end of the week the championship pool and uh everybody else so yeah this this year i'm gonna remember because of that it was a an experiment at the time i didn't really have too much of a problem with it i think i found the beginning of the week boring yeah as most people did uh but maybe i didn't uh i don't remember what i say (laughs) sometimes i remember other times i don't I think my brain is affected by this uh, <laughs> malt liquor. But we, it was definitely sort of the year the year that changed everything. So if we look back 10 years from now and this format stays the way it is, this is going to be the real turning point. And I wonder if it's going to make people less likely to enter into playdowns, as we've already seen numbers dwindling, uh, especially from those provinces that will tend to be in the bottom half of the field uh, most years. I mean, maybe. And and I don't know. We haven't seen the numbers this year. We know in Ontario, because we've talked about it around, we're, we are in Ontario and we have some sense of what's going on here, that numbers are certainly down uh, in Ontario in terms of the people who are signing up for playdowns. And if you want to sort of see, there was some controversy about Scott McDonald's team getting an automatic entry as a third points entry into the Ontario tankard. And sort of what that means for all those other teams who sign up for it. And, you know, I I do, like, it's not even the provinces that 
don't necessarily have a chance to win. I think those provinces might actually be better positioned to have people try than, say, if you're a, a really good, you know, cash league level player in Ontario. What's your what's your incentive to sign up and go play? Because you're going to have to go if you get through all the rounds that you're not being funded for, and then you go. You got to take a week to go to the tanker to play Howard and Epping. Yeah. And if you're a cash level team who maybe plays in a couple spiels. good spiels, yeah. you're not going to beat those teams. So what's the point? And similarly with Rachel Holman in Ontario, sir, it's the Brad Gushu phenomena in Newfoundland where, right, for years nobody signed up and the men's side to play him because again why would you and, and certainly if, if I was looking around in Alberta or Manitoba certainly Alberta on the men's side maybe a little less on the women's side but the women's side is pretty good there too yeah. and Manitoba on the women's side I mean there's no point like I'm going to take all that time invest that money to go get my brains beat now <laughs> for a week yeah the, the money aspect uh, is something to it right because it's more money now than it used to be to yeah. enter into one of these spiels to get to provincials. And then when you get to provincials, you, like you said, it's not funded all the time. Uh, like hotel rooms, travel and stuff, at least partially covered, would be nice. So, yeah, you're right. There could be less of an incentive. But say you're from B.C. and the field might be a little more wide open. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'll try to get that, to get some funding, to be able to go to a national and get piped on the ice and yeah. all that sort of and stuff. And all the fun stuff. And, and this sort of Michael Fournier talked about this when he made it last year yeah. to the Briar. Like, he had no aspirations. Well, maybe he had aspirations of winning, but he had no real expectation that he was going to win yeah. or even make the playoffs. He wanted to go. It was his dream as a player to play in that environment. You get to do all the cool things that players get to do yeah. in addition to getting you know, the get your the, jacket and, and the, the purple, heart. purple heart. You get to do like an up close in the patch. You get yeah. to do the autograph signing. There's fans around. Like It's this cool experience. You're, you're a minor celebrity. For a week. For a week, yeah. And then... You're not, um, <laughs> and even and even you see it sometimes at these events where the players take their jackets off and like go up into the crowd, yeah. to watch after their draw. And nobody once they take the jacket off, nobody, nobody really knows. knows who they are. But for that moment, it's this really cool experience. So I think those provinces where it's more wide open, there isn't an elite team, maybe makes it more appealing. We talked last year. We played David St. Louis in a Bonspiel here in Ottawa. Yeah, after they had qualified. For the Briar, we were joking that that should count as the Nunavut uh, territorial championship because we would want to go play in it. Yeah, uh, but th- so so I don't know if, but I do wonder then. Yes, how does the format of those national events yeah. shape that? I like it from a TV perspective that you sort of build the week and you get the good games at the end and they start to stack up. Sure. With the the teams that are going to qualify for the playoffs against each other, I kind of like that side of it, and yeah, it might make me make might make the early part of the week not as great, which we certainly saw at the Scotties with all those blows. But yeah. that's okay to me. Um, but there, it does need to be revisited in some format. Sure. And so while this format uh, started last year, will be in place uh, next or this year, as far as we know. There might be a change if and when they decide to go to eight ends, because yes. I think that's probably coming. Even yeah. though I, I <clears throat> excuse me, I prefer ten. But if well, you if you're only playing eight ends, maybe you can have four draws a day in a building, and yeah. you can 
play all the teams. Yeah, but that's up to the World Curling Federation. Sure. Curling Canada is not going to eight as long as the World Curling Federation is sticking to ten. No, of course not. Like that's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. So just something to look for in the future. Now, I'll uh, I'll do another one. Yeah, go for it. Why not? We'll uh, do a snake. Go draft. back and forth. Yeah. Uh, in this way. So the other thing I'm going to remember from 2018, Sean, I'm going to remember the Olympics. It's an Olympic year. Yes, you, it was. Do you remember those Olympics? Not really. Ah, so long ago, right? I see pictures and I'm like, really? Yeah, that happened. Yeah. So much yeah. has happened in the interim, Scott. <clears throat> oh, absolutely. And we'll, we'll get to that. Yes. But 2018, Olympic year, I, I'm going to say that it was a mixed bag. Hey-o. Pun intended. Because it saw the introduction of mixed doubles to the world. Uh, and and so the Olympics, yes, uh, we can talk about the men's and women's events if you like. They were forgettable for Canada, very memorable for the USA. Who, by the way, I saw a list of most uh, unlikely sports stories from 2018. Yeah. John Schuster winning the gold medal wasn't on it. Really? It, there was 23 stories, I think. That's insane, right? Yeah, John Schuster, not not just like from the start of the week saying that he would win where he was on Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Just in, like insanity. Yeah. So uh, good stuff there, but this was really mixed doubles coming out party. And I think if we look back in 10 years, we're going to see mixed doubles is really the driving force behind growing the game around the world. You only need two players. Uh, I was a little disappointed to see the mixed doubles worlds is going to shrink in size. Yes. But what it does do is give opportunity to those people from other places around the world to participate and to uh, be able to allocate the resources properly. They don't need to put in a four-person team. You only need to send two. Plus, uh, the gender equality is great, right? Having one man and one woman on the team it means you get equal participation, equal funding for both genders. Yep. I, I really like it, and I predict we'll remember 2018 for mixed doubles coming out. Yeah, I agree that the addition of mixed doubles to the Olympics, and we knew it was coming, of course, but actually seeing it there, that gave mixed doubles some legitimacy that it didn't have mm-hmm. before, that people did still look at it as this sort of kooky weird thing that didn't really make any sense the strange rules and certainly i think the way it got presented in certain cases didn't help if you remember at the continental cup in vegas in 2016 i want to say the one we went to yeah yeah where they had the weird rules where there was music playing between the shots everybody had to throw at the same time yeah Uh, and there was the controversy with john morris uh, basically yelling at an official for five minutes uh, while the other sheets were standing around. Yeah. Uh, and Brent Lang and Jennifer Jones were caught in the hot mic complaining about it, which <laughs> is great. Um, but, if you know, so the way it got presented in certain cases didn't help. And, and arguably the Continental Cup is, was the biggest profile for mixed doubles before, before the Olympics. That. So people, I think, had this interpretation or, or this sense of it that it wasn't serious. It mm. was this niche thing and it was... You know, and, and part of the language would be like a bastardization of the sport. Right. And to see it at the Olympics, and not just to see how Caitlin Laws and John Morris, and I'll be honest, I don't think, with all due respect to Rachel Holman, because I know she was supposed to play with John Morris, I don't think John Morris could have had a better partner yeah. than Caitlin yeah. Laws. Like, the way it worked out, uh, obviously, you know, I'm saying that results-based, they won the gold medal, but the way they communicated with each other, uh, two people who had already won Olympic gold medals, mm-hmm. To see them play at that high of a level, 
as well as you know we saw the Swiss team world champions play play at extremely high level so it wasn't just the Steve Simmons like you just throw anybody out there and randomly throw stuff out like it's this really specialized discipline and I think people got to realize that with the Olympics yeah sure sure and and it, to be honest, watching the, the men's and women's games after having watched the mixed doubles competition was a bit slow at first. It was, you know, so sure. the the excitement, the qu- the quick uh, pace, the all the strategy. Yeah, I think I, I, I'm sure that that's what I'll remember from 2018. Yeah, and doubles. for sure. And uh, but but within the overall Olympics, yeah, I think John Schuster and his team. You know, it, it's hard to say. I mean, USA Curling, as, as we're doing this now, is in the last stages of their push. The USA, the Olympic funding model in the United States is so weird. They have to get a certain number of unique visitors yeah. to their website to get base funding, which is insane to me. Um, but they're sort of in the last stages of that push. But John Schuster, they got so much coverage in the immediate aftermath yeah. of in that gold medal. mainstream yeah. coverage, yeah. Real Because, ma- you know, before, Matt and Becca Hamilton were on The Tonight Show before they went for yes. the mixed doubles. Yeah. And John Schuster, of course, was nowhere to be found. Afterwards, like, it was all four of them everywhere. And, you know, even carrying into this year, they got to do something at the Vikings game, whatever stupid chant. Yeah, the Monday Vi- Night Football. Yeah. Skull? The Vikings are dumb. Um, <laughs> but... Like, they got to do, like, and, and they're maintaining it through what is a down period. And, and certainly, you know, Rocks Across the Pond, those guys have talked a lot about what American coverage is and, and how we can grow the game in the United States at a more elite level. But, you know, all credit to John Schuster and his squad that they seem to be very cognizant of the fact that they are not just a curling team. No, they're not. That they carry a mantle that's much larger than that, uh, and they're doing their best. Yeah, they're ambassadors, for yeah. better or worse. So, so the Olympics certainly fed into that. Uh, and then on the women's side, this I, I would say the Olympics was the coming out party, really, for Anna Hasselberg. And yeah, this Sean. was really them sort of starting their claim that we are the best team in the world. Yeah, they were one of these teams that had been around for a couple years, were very good, don't get me wrong, top uh, tier talent in the world but hadn't really you know sort of captured the world stage yeah uh, and so uh, they might have won a world championship but uh, <laughs> but it, it didn't seem it always seemed to me like okay we're waiting for Anna Hasselberg to really grab the mantle and 2018 she for sure did it starting with that Olympics and uh, then the world championships world championships played really well lost to Jennifer Jones in that final but uh, really, really great. Won the first two Grand Slams of the year. Yep, silver they, medal in the first World Cup. They're just on a roll, and and they're so good. And this team is going to be good for a long time. So, yes. uh, Olympics wise, Anna Hasselberg coming out party. I a hundred percent agree. Uh, yeah. It's just going to be you know, like we saw an announcement of Rachel Holman. Uh, yep, having a baby. Congratulations to her and and Sean. And so it'll be a question of whether that team uh, decides to pursue other things uh, f- on the family side in the next couple of years. So. Yeah, so she had never won, and still hasn't, of course, won a world, world championship. Yeah. Uh, she's only actually appeared in two in 2017 and 2018. And her first Europeans was this year, too. Her first European Win. gold, yes. Yeah. So, yes. yeah, it would seem like they were always sort of 
getting to the top of the mountain, but yeah. not quite the peak. Yeah, she had won. Uh, she won the twenty ten World Junior Championship. Right. right. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, definitely a coming out party for Anna Hasselberg. So uh, yeah, the Olympics really uh, changed the face of the sport in some ways there. Yeah. So uh, what's up for you next, Sean? So my next one is the. This is Canadian centric, uh, although there's some over arching relevance to some other teams around the world, but the Team Shuffle. Oh, a big Team that Shuffle. That happened in the spring. Um, nobody was with who they were. Nobody wanted to stay together. It makes you sad, you know? If you're romantic at heart, you want to think that, you know, things can last. But uh, a lot of shuffling going around. A few teams that stayed together. Casey Scheidegger. Casey team Scheidegger. Team Gushu. Gushu. Team Jacobs. So, yeah, a few teams that stayed together, Sean. We saw Jennifer Jones just tweak, you know, a, a few curlers taking a step back <laughs> yes. from the game. Yeah, so two two of the all-time greats, uh, Mark Kennedy, Jill Officer, yeah. uh, no longer playing regularly. Uh, again, I would not be surprised to see both of them back at some point. Uh, I agree. I agree. So, yeah, the team shuffle that took place, uh, this is the biggest one that there has been. There's always been shakeups. I remember when Team Kui basically quit on the World Championships in 2014. Uh, They they had not made the Olympics and so decided we're not going to stay together next year. Yes. And didn't really try in Beijing. I mean, they tried, but it seemed as if they were very disinterested. Yeah. And then the next year coming back, you know, the only reason the three of them came back without Cooey and they brought in Pat Simmons was because they were Team Canada. It's the first Team Canada at the Briar. Right. So yeah, I believe they brought in John Morris for that. Um, oh yeah, Pat Simmons was Pat already, was already them, on the team, but, but they brought John which was Morris. great because that gave us one of the all-time great shots of Pat Simmons putting it on the pin, on the pin with his win. arms up in and the he, air. And his and his I said this before, his broom has still not come down from the rafters <laughs> of the building. He threw it so high. He did. Um, but yeah, so he, yeah, there's always been that shuffle. I would say the the big ones here for me this year that really stood out to me. I, I think yeah, Mark Kennedy taking the step back was huge yep. uh, for, for Kevin Cooey's team because uh, Mark Kennedy is just, he's that good. And and with all due respect to B.J. Newfeld, I don't care who you replace Mark Kennedy with. You're not going to be as good. No. Because Mark Kennedy is the best. So uh, certainly that team, we've, we've seen some of the, the struggles that they've gone through at some of the events. Uh, but maybe the biggest one is Carrie Anderson and her team coming together, the four skips mm-hmm. of Anderson, Sweeting, Shannon Burchard, and... Brianna Mayer coming together, the four skip team, which we were, I don't know if skeptical is the right word. I, I said they would be bad, Sean. I was straight <laughs> up wrong. I was wrong. Yeah, yeah. so uh, so that was a, obviously a really big change. I think Savile and Lang coming together didn't get that much attention compared to some other things, but that was just great to see. Oh, yeah. Uh, most importantly of which is that Savile is healthy yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and able to play. Again, that was a, certainly a major change. Not a lot of teams on the elite uh, level there with two 40-year-olds at front end. So no, uh, no. good to see that, too. But they're smarter than everybody else. Yeah, they're good. Uh, they're good. Yeah, I think the Matt Dunstone team coming together, yeah. uh, that switch was... I, I think they'll be really good. And, and I said this before, one of the previews, that I would not be surprised if we get to the point where... Botcher team who has stayed together, but Botcher and Dunstone get to the point where it's like Howard and 
and Martin uh-huh. were for a few years, where yeah. they're just going to be going back and forth because those two, those two teams are certainly trending that way. Yeah, and you you really hope so for the uh, hearts of those people from Saskatchewan. You know, uh, one of <laughs> one of the things that the shakeup really highlighted to me was the strength and depth of field in Manitoba for the women. Yes, and sort of uh, the same idea on the Alberta side, a little bit less so, but on the men's side where you've got uh, three pretty good teams coming out of Alberta right now. The the concentration on the men's side seems to be split a little bit across provinces, but we did see, you know, Mike McEwen and Reed Carruthers join forces yep. rather than compete against each other as they had for so long. So you wonder if this is the LeBronization, that's a word I just made up, nice. of curling where, hey, I'm going to just get my friends to play right. and we're going to be the best team. So, you know, I, that's always been the case in curling. You want to play with your friends, and you can do it because there's no contracts or anything. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, like, it, it'll be uh, a question going forward of whether this continues to happen and we get more super teams a la Team Anderson. Mm-hmm. So, it, 2018, that's the year that uh, that we had. We saw big shakeups. We'll see what comes in 2022. For sure, and, and and even in the interim, I think things are still going to change out for a variety of reasons. At least for this year, this yeah, summer. Yeah, the end of up, this yeah. summer. Yeah, the end of this season, stuff will continue to change. You know, th- I think all eyes would be on Glenn Howard, definitely. Yeah, and see what he does if he decides to not play anymore. You know, personal feelings aside, you know, someone like Dave Mathers could be a good addition to a lot of teams, and certainly Scott Howard is no slouch either and to march too right so those would be some good players who could find some places to play elsewhere and then you you might see a situation where the residency rules they're gonna do something with this year so if those residency rules get loosened a little bit that could open up for some more movement especially as we talked about earlier into some of these provinces that are a little more open perhaps you know we've seen i know adam casey and, and his situation where he's moved around a bunch, yeah. you know, it's, people can be flexible now and play out of different places, potentially, if they change those rules. So the, the team shuffling is certainly uh, something I will remember. Okay, Sean, that's uh, uh, me too. Me there too. You go. All right, now before we get into the third one, Scott, I'm going to open up our second beer because we've finished our glasses of the boxer watermelon so we ca- we call this a palate cleanser right Sean yes so this is a keystone ice this was a believe the lowest rated one on untapped that we scanned I think it was 1.91 yeah so it's really not very good but this is our last one this is uh, this is our final uh, penance good for losing that bet let me just there we go um, and Scott as we pour this out you know where you'll never get a bad beer. Oh, yeah, you'll never get a bad beer at the Fergus Curling never, Club, Sean. Never get a bad beer there. The Fergus Curling Club, again, uh, 1834 was founded. Uh, and if you get lucky enough to go to a bonspiel there, Sean. Pipe you out? Uh, they'll pipe you on the ice, which uh, you don't get just anywhere. No. You know, you don't have to go to the briar no. to yeah. get piped out onto the ice. You yeah. can do it. At the Fergus Curling Club. And sometimes even at the Briar, you won't get piped out under yeah. the ice as they started to change. So, yeah, definitely. If you're in Fergus and you like curling, as we say, head to the, curlers, to the Fergus Curling Club. Let's toast the Fergus Curling Club. To Fergus. Cheers. Mmm. 
Oh, man. What a load of garbage. I imagine that's what death tastes like. So let's uh, let's move on to the third thing. Um, uh, you want me to do mine? Uh, yeah, let's do yours. All right. So the third thing I'm going to remember, this is a small thing, I know, but there are just certain things that stick out in my mind that are small things that, that make me laugh, that make me smile. And I'm calling 2018 the year of Gunner because Jason Gunlison was on fire this year. And the thing that I'm most going to remember of Jason Gunlison in 2018 was his last shot in the tiebreaker, what is it called? The, the, the play-in game, card the wildcard game. game at the Briar where he felt his stone was picking. And, you know, as, and he tries to sort of, sort of shift it around to get whatever is underneath it out. And he basically rolls the stone <laughs> halfway down the ice. Uh, misses the shot, of course, because it's rolling, rolling. down the yeah. ice. Uh, and he sort of, co- and the crowd, with sort of this stunned silence, there's like this whoa when he does it. Yeah. And then he goes down to the end and he's sort of mildly chuckling about it. And there's just this stunned silence, not only in the crowd, but Cheryl, Russ, and uh, Vic <laughs> have no idea what to say either. <laughs> And uh, neither, of course, does uh, Mike McEwen. Yeah. And that team is sort of like, what do we do? So I, that shot, you know, we like to remember the, the great shots. Certainly, you know, the, the Brad Jacob shot from a couple weeks ago yep. at the, the Grand Slam. I will remember that shot from 2018. The other thing that I will remember, this isn't from 2018, but his coaching at the trials. Trials, yeah. His, <laughs> when he comes out during the timeout... And says, if we score, they score, we score, they... As long as we score last, we're going to win the game. <laughs> it's just... It, the, boiling the game down to that level, I just made, made me so happy. Yeah, it was so, it, it, very good advice. Uh, maybe not necessary advice. No. Because I think everybody would know that, but... Accurate. But Gunner is one of uh, the smartest guys when it comes to curling and curling strategy yeah. out there, you know? Uh, hearing him on some of the YouTube broadcasts from so uh, Portage, he was really good, really, really good. And I would hope that we could get some more of that uh, in the coming year, which sort of leads into my it does, yeah. last uh, thing I'll remember from 2018. And, Sean, YouTube. Yeah. The Internet. What a thing. <laughs> Who would have thought? I know. So we've got... Uh, yeah, the inter- this is the year that the Internet became a fad. Yeah, crazy, <laughs> right? <laughs> The, the explosion of curling coverage and curling content on the internet uh, in 2018, uh, it really is something that this year will be remembered for. Not only because it's the birth year of the Game of Stones podcast, but it, any given weekend, you can go on YouTube and say, oh yeah, there's another spiel coming up. There's one coming up this weekend that's yeah. being uh, streamed from Germany, I think. Uh, so there's always curling online, uh, two to three events sometimes in a weekend, uh, grand slams happening, uh, seems like every day, uh, we're getting punched in the face with these, yeah. uh, events. So, but, but not even elite level curling, the Roy Tarleton, for instance. Yeah. The Tarleton was on there. Was on, uh, was on YouTube and being live streamed. Unfortunately, it wasn't on the end where our father fell, uh, fell down. Uh-huh. So you couldn't see that, but, um, you know that the the bomb spiel, mm-hmm. uh, the glitter bomb spiel in DC was being streamed. The one in Gatineau here, which is a, a is pretty a, good spiel, a good spiel. But yeah. that was also streamed. So a lot of stuff is being streamed. 
you can always find curling content. We watched the one spiel that the Japanese team, uh, Matsumura, won. Right. Uh, that a spiel that I'd never heard of, sponsored by a company that I'd never heard of. Yeah. Well, what about there was the one in Sweden that was on the island in Sweden that was sponsored by that gambling website. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, like uh, one by Isabella Rana. So yeah. it's all this curling is available it's everywhere. It's, it's really great for us because sure. it gives us stuff to talk about. It gives us an audience, and and so we want to thank everybody that's listening for, you know... Sticking with us. Yeah, coming along for this crazy ride, and we're going to keep it going in 2019. There's going to be more curling coverage, I bet. I don't know how there could be, but <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have all sorts of streaming options. Uh, curling Zone is a great resource. I know we talked about it in the Thanksgiving episode about being thankful for YouTube and Curling Zone and all that. And I just have to reiterate, 2018 is the year that curling has has exploded on the internet. Very much so, yeah. So many podcasts, uh, all the YouTube stuff, uh, the Lazy Handle Show is big success. So everybody's uh, loving curling on the internet. Yeah, so the, the concern, of course, is that there is a saturation point with an audience, not just with sort of stuff like this, which is obviously a concern that, that we want to navigate the, the waters of everything that's out there, but also of the number of events. And you can fatigue your audience and you can really fatigue quickly. Your, fatigue your players. Yes, for sure. And, and the players, uh, that was one of the things Mark Kennedy said, that you know, the, the amount that he played, he just couldn't sustain that, given the, some of the injuries he had. I believe a knee, uh, he had to go in and, and get fixed up. And certainly we've seen it with Eve Muirhead yeah. as well, having to limit her schedule, because there is a lot of pressure that you put on your joints when you're throwing so you got to make sure that as the season gets longer as now it's starting in august Mm -hmm. uh, and going all the way through now granted the the main cash league or the cash spiel circuit pretty much is over at this point yep uh, as as we get to the end of 2018 but yeah you do have to make sure that you're not fatiguing your players too much that they have some downtime that they can physically recover yeah, Sean. Uh, <coughs> whoa, look out. See, I'm, I'm allergic to all the curling. Yeah, so yeah. much curling, Sean. You're, you're right, though, about uh, the pressure that you put on your body. So, uh, you know, we'll watch. We'll see if teams, you know, take a more measured approach in years to come. But for people that like watching curling, like myself, uh, it's been a great year. It has. So... Uh, certainly we've enjoyed it hopefully everyone out there has enjoyed it and uh, we thank you all for coming along for the ride and actually Scott we didn't do this on Christmas we said we would but let's just do it here okay and we'll tweet it out but we have some stickers yeah we got some swag yeah so we had some uh, stickers made up when we went to Knoxville if anyone listened to that show and if you haven't please do go back one of our most downloaded shows mm-hmm. actually uh, we went down to Knoxville in June to play in the Rocky Top Open down there so we had some swag that we had made up for the spiel because we had to give a prize and, and all that so we have 10 stickers left yeah so we have ten, about 10 stickers so why don't uh, why don't anybody who's listening to this at this point tweet at us, say, "Hey, I want one of those stickers." We'll put your name in uh, in a hat, and we'll draw ten names out. I mean, if we only get ten, we'll give yeah. everybody one. But and if we get less than ten, then everybody would win one. Yeah. So uh, send us your names, and uh, we'll take care of getting that out 
uh, yeah. early in the new year. Well, tweet or you can email too, because I know not everyone's on Twitter. So sure, or email us. Yeah, so tweet us. Just say that you know you want in on the the sticker draw, or email us by January the sixth, yeah. Sunday, January the sixth. And then we will announce the winners on January the 7th. Then we'll get in touch and send you out uh, a sticker as a thank you for the support for, you know, this has been a, a new show, a bit of an experiment for us. Yeah. And uh, I've enjoyed it. Hopefully you've enjoyed it, Scott. It's been pretty fun. There you go. And hopefully all of you out there have enjoyed it as well. And uh, we thank everybody for going along. If you have not yet, do subscribe to the show, please. Give us a like, a rating, leave a comment all that fun stuff wherever it is you get your shows give us a follow on twitter at game of stones pod which is also where you can enter the sticker giveaway festivities uh sure Uh, sweepstakes sweepstakes you can also if you want to email us your sweepstake entry it is at game of stones podcast at gmail.com so the full podcast there and you can also find us on instagram at game of stones pod you know what leave a comment there too we'll count that yep I'll look at it. There you go. And uh, you can find Scott on Twitter at ScottLikesTV. I am at Dr. Shawnee Fever. And we'll be back with you in 2019. Everybody have a safe end to 2018. Happy New Year. All the best for 2019, everybody. We'll be back at some point in the new year to preview the never-ending schedule of grand slams we've got the meridian canadian open happening yes so we'll have uh we're going to do a bit of a different style of preview for that one but we'll be back to talk about the canadian open which is being played i believe somewhere in saskatchewan yeah it's in saskatchewan but i can't remember where right now yeah it's a big province Ah, there's a lot of places (laughs) it's it's a rectangle nature's most perfect shape there you go very nice is it weyburn maybe somewhere that's a corner gas reference there you go so uh (laughs) so we'll be back uh in the new year but everybody do celebrate safely have a happy end of 2018 and happy 2019 and we'll be back with you next week but until then keep your brooms on the ice and don't have that answer